Song of Solomon 2.15 is one of the most powerful Bible verses about marriage. It says, Catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love. Well, pornography is definitely one of those little foxes that we're being warned about. It can start off maybe in a small way, watching a sex scene from a movie, or maybe seeing a sensual advertisement that causes you to look and find more. But if you let those little foxes in, they're ultimately going to destroy your vineyard of love. It can definitely impact your marriage. So let me ask you, what are those little foxes in your life? Welcome to the No Porn Marriage Podcast. I'm Dr. Greg Smalley, and I'm joined by my wife, Erin. We're discussing how to guard our hearts against sexualized content in the media. And Erin, we certainly have to be willing to address this because it can be so subtle at times. Yeah, absolutely. And within the counseling office years ago, I can remember this one young gal came in because she simply read a book. She had no idea that Fifty Shades of Grey was literally pornography in writing. And as she read that, she was seeking something, but it led her to being curious and ended up going online and just viewing a couple sites. And, you know, what it ended up doing, though, is leading her to a full blown addiction. And so you never know what little things are going to lead to those little foxes. What is that going to lead you to? And what are identifying those little foxes is important to prevent leading you down that road. Yeah. And to help us understand this better, we want to hear now from two good friends of Focus on the Family, Dr. Dooley Slattery and Dana Gresh. And they address the subject of erotica and why women are drawn to this. Well, here's Focus on the Family's president, Jim Daly. Let me ask you this. I can't imagine that uh, many in our audience haven't heard about Fifty Shades of Grey. I was in the dark with it, but um, I am shocked by the impact that that book has had and books like it. Help us understand what is it? What is it and why are Christian women drawn to reading it? Well, I think one of the first things you need to understand is it's pornography. It's a written form of pornography. Just because it's called erotica doesn't mean it's less. Mm. And many women are excusing it and saying, well, there aren't pictures. Well, uh, you're still having very sexual images in your head. In this case, um, Fifty Shades of Grey is very transgressive. So bondage, dominance, masochism, sadism, very dark sex. And um, what kind of impact it's having is what's startling because at the release of our book, we were up to 100 million copies of Fifty Shades of Grey that has sold. It literally has cannibalized much of the publishing industry because now we see all these other erotic copycat series popping up. And really, it's on a pace where you can't compare it to anything else out there, not even things like Harry Potter. The only thing you could compare it to, and it's still trailing behind, would be the Bible. So the only person... That's a shocker yeah, right there. Yeah, the only person outselling E.L. James right now is God. Uh, well, <laughs> Which, let, let's put it into some perspective because I, I want to sit in the seat of those listening. And I would think there's probably three camps. A woman who is going, what in the world are they talking about? And they're probably getting ready to write us a letter to say, how could you do that? We get it, folks. Um, certainly write us if you're concerned, but we understand it. But we believe... The other two camps are the folks we really need to get to, those that may not know much about it, maybe a girlfriend has talked about it, and they're maybe thinking, this is something I should look at if 100 million people are reading it. And then those that are already reading it, they're into it, 
yet they're going to church. Uh, in fact, that survey that we talked about at the top of the program, um, these were Christian women. These are women that are doing Christian Bible studies, reading yeah. Christian devotionals. They were not nominal Christian devotionals. women. Yeah, they were, they were customers for some of the best Bible studies out there, and at the same time, reading this dark, erratic book. And I'm painting the picture of the appetite because we men, we understand this. What's a shock is that women are now starting to develop this appetite. Why do you think that is? Well, uh, one of the things that Dana and I did as we were researching for Pulling Back the Shades was look at what is drawing women into the Fifty Shades of Grey phenomenon. It's not just a random thing, and we think that there's a real spiritual element to that. But when you break it down in terms of what are women looking for? What are they going after? Uh, Dana and I found five needs that we think are representative of what women are really longing for that Fifty Shades of Grey and books like it seem to be promising uh, to address. And and frankly, Jim, they're needs that some of them the church has not addressed well. What are they? Well, one of them you probably wouldn't have even thought of, but it's a real longing in a woman's heart, and that's to escape reality. Okay, and that that may connect with a lot of people, but I'm not sure I get it. I, I see Jean busy and engaged. Mm-hmm. I don't see her wanting to escape reality. What's happening in the secret heart of a woman? Well, I think to some extent maybe a guy can relate to this, and it might be what pulls him into things like pornography as well. You might be busy, but life feels boring. It's mundane. Every day you get up, you go to the same job. Or a woman gets up and she's doing housework and taking care of kids. and Or going to a job and doing all right, that too. Absolutely. And her marriage, maybe she's been married 10 or 15 years, and it's kind of blah. There's not a lot of excitement. There's not a lot of romance. She wants a heartbeat. She wants to wake up and feel like life is exciting and adventurous. And all of fiction kind of pulls us out of our mundane lives and gives us an infusion of excitement. And there's nothing wrong with that. But this takes it to a whole nother level. Mm. And when we've interacted with women, a lot of them will say, I just needed an escape from my boring and in some places very painful lives. And this seemed to promise it. Wow, that's powerful. The one that that really, I guess, puts a fire in my belly is the one that women are longing to be rescued by a strong man. Hmm. And in a society that emasculates men constantly, we have created this world of strong women and weak men, even in the church. We have been guilty of that. And um, Barbara Walters was on The View discussing the Fifty Shades of Grey phenomenon and why women were reading it. And she actually said something to the effect of, well, women at the end of the day just want the man to be in charge. They're tired of being in charge and they want the man to be in charge. And she went on a few months later to be recorded saying that what this book really is about is a book about submission. But here's the problem. It's a twisted, distorted view of submission. When a man is tying you up in chains and beating you because it gives him sexual pleasure, that is not a healthy submission. But it's being honored. And we're living in this culture, this feminist culture, and yet the sexiest words right now are obedience, master, and submission. How does this make sense? We're starving for something And so we reach out for this twisted counterfeit. Uh, Dana, I want to park here for a minute because as I've thought about uh, the program today, there's a paradox that I sense. Uh, You see the feminist movement in one direction, wanting independence, wanting to be like men. What's fascinating is 
it's almost a bait and switch that's occurred. Uh, women traditionally have been the stabilizers in the culture. They're the ones who domesticate men. It's been known that this is the way men behave because of testosterone and all that. But when they get married, they get committed and it controls their appetite. Mm. Uh, now we're seeing that unleashed within women, which is, I think, reasonably new for any culture. This hasn't been the way that human beings have behaved. Women, for the most part, have been chased and have been the the ones to calm the human sexual appetite down and put it in a in the right place, in a godly place, which mm-hmm. which is in marriage. Mm-hmm. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the things that's happening is our society just really wants to erase gender. And so we're telling women they have to be a certain way or act a certain way, and they certainly can't fall into the typical stereotypes. The problem with that is that when I look back in the book of Genesis, God loves gender. And when he says, I have created you in my image, he lists two things, male and female, that make us most like him. Gender matters to God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can look at this from a sociological perspective and say it's the, the war, the battle of the genders. But the way I've really begun to see it is it's a battle to destroy God's design. Mm. And a lot of this is just, it's a spiritual battle. And if you look at the fact that Satan has won the hearts of many men and pulled them into pornography and lured them with extramarital affairs, he's after the women now. Mm -hmm. And he's very audaciously going for the heart of women. And we see many of them being entrapped by this. And again, not just the world. We see Christian young women who love the Lord get confused about uh, their role in marriage or whether marriage is even worth it to start with. And you take that into sexuality. They're very confused about sexuality and how to express that in a way that honors the Lord. And they don't have any discernment to see what's really happening. And I love what Dr. Slattery is saying, that there's so much confusion and the enemy loves that. But it's important that we step back and call Fifty Shades of Grey what it really is. And that's pornography, erotica. And it's just to recognize that the enemy knew that seeking after women in this way, that he's really tapping into the longings of a woman's heart. There's these righteous longings within our hearts that then through reading this stuff, it becomes this substitute for seeking that in unrighteous ways. So we're, maybe it's that we're bored. We're bored within this marriage and we're, we're seeking excitement or adventure. And by reading that, we can step into that. Or maybe it's that we're wanting to be cherished or rescued by a man. And well, that's what the story's all about and in unrighteous ways. And so it's important to recognize there's these longings that a woman has. And how do we get those met in righteous ways versus turning towards unrighteousness. If you're listening to this and you realize that the Lord is dealing with you to come out of hiding and get help, feel free to give us a call. Our number is 1-800-A-FAMILY, F-A-M-I-L-Y. There's counselors here on staff and they'd love to connect with you and do a consultation and then refer you to a counselor in your area. Again, that number is 1-800-A-FAMILY, F-A-M-I-L-Y. You know, another one of those little foxes that can destroy our marriage are dating apps. While the apps themselves are not bad, many people are abusing them for sexual pleasure. 
Jim Daly sat down with Pastor Levi Lusco to explain how technology is affecting our culture today with a phenomenon called Swipe Right. Well, Swipe Right started out as a way that people could, on a particular relationship app that you download from the app stores, where you could look at random strangers and decide if you would like to be with them intimately, relationally, in any kind of way or not. You would swipe left on their profile if you would not be interested in them. You'd swipe right on them if you were. Now, if they swiped right on you and you swiped right on them, you're brought into a messaging service where you could then choose to meet up in real life and you know have a casual encounter or maybe begin a relationship. Uh, but this is taken off. Um, it's it started out as the, the the way that Tinder, this particular app, worked, but now it's bigger than that. I mean, matter of fact, I heard Jimmy Fallon the other night saying that he tried to put his daughter to bed and she tried to swipe left on his face. So <laughs> it's kind of become bigger, synonymous right. with more than just yes, no, left, right. Uh, but Tinder recently said that they've had a trillion swipes. A trillion. A, a trillion swipes. Uh, but that's not the only app now. There's OkCupid, okay Plenty of Fish, Happen. Uh, there's all, every day a new app being made. And basically relationships and dating and sexuality is being brought into a mobile experience where many, many, many young people in big cities like Los Angeles or New York are using the app to facilitate a quick hookup. They're not using it to date as much or get a boyfriend or girlfriend, but just to find someone to have sex with for the evening. And then in the words of one user that the Vanity Fair article I read about it that kind of opened my eyes to it said, he said, people are looking for this app to help them hit it and quit it. Hit it and quit it. Hit it and quit it. I mean, I guess the question then, Levi, is what is going on? Uh, You know, I'm the parent of two teen boys. John, you have 20-somethings and teens. Um, I I knew none of this. I really didn't. And I'm in... The culture, more or less, getting information from our producers here at the program. Yet I had no idea the depth of this, this easy hookup culture. In in New York City, 80 percent of 18 to 24-year-old men and 60 percent of 18 to 24-year-old women are on Tinder. So that's how – and as New York goes, so eventually goes the culture. Yeah, and and I guess the question again is what is happening spiritually? Why this desire for almost nameless, faceless – well, really, Physical what, what it is is, it's, I mean, you have Amazon doing it for packages, you have Uber doing it for cars, and now you have these apps that are bringing this to, to what is ultimately an instant gratification-obsessed approach mm-hmm. to relationships. Yeah. And, and so that's what's happening. It, it's just now becoming easier. You used to have to go to a bar or a club to meet someone to hook up with for the night. Now you can fire up an app. What, when it comes to commitment and fidelity, sure. how, we're losing that as a culture, the importance of it. There seems to be fewer and fewer boundaries oh, without for a doubt. people. Uh, millennials and younger are viewing sexuality more and more as simply a purely physical exercise. And at the end of the day, if you think about it, the evolutionary mentality, really, that that's all it is. If we're talking purely secular humanism and there's no God, then sex is just biological. It's just an appetite. And so that's more and more what's happening. As God's out of the equation, sex is just something physical. So as long as you're taking the proper precautions to not get pregnant or not get an STD, then it doesn't make any difference. That's at least how this worldview is looking at it. Yeah. And uh, when I mentioned that research by Mark Regneris, uh, and you look at the attitudes of Christian young people who don't know really what they believe when it comes to premarital sex, sure. cohabitation, as a pastor of churches in three, four different states, sure. I mean, what do you see in the young people that are in your church? What's happening there? Why do they not have the foundation 
of what fidelity and commitment is all about. Well, those things without context are archaic. They don't make any sense in this modern day. Plus, I think a lot of us saw our parents uh, go through divorces and a lot of young people, they, it, it caused there to be a disillusionment for all things marriage. It didn't work. It doesn't seem like it works. And so now, fast forward as things compress, because I mean, technology is just changing the world. The average American touches their phone 150 times a day. I, I read that in your book. That's amazing. Once every six mm. minutes. So, and it's changing us. <laughs> going to be keeping track now for the no, rest of the day. I'm not going to count. Well, they this. say wow. some of us are developing phantom vibration sensation. Now, I do oh, get I that. that. I you feel that. like you got a text. <laughs> my, my phone's not in my pocket, and it's <laughs> – yeah. But then, you, but then I'll just go on Instagram for a second, you know, and it's just, it's just changing us. And now it's impacting relationships too and sexuality. I think for me, the concern isn't, okay, technology. Technology is bad. Oh, let's go back to churning butter and live on an Amish you know, settlement. Right. The thing we need to learn to do is in this left-right world, we need to learn to swipe right, which is up, to live up in a left-right world. Because Moses in Exodus 2, the Bible says he looked this way, looked that way, then killed the Egyptian. He had a good desire to save a Hebrew, but he chose to not look up. If he would have looked up, God could have told him there's a better way. Your desire's good. It's just not right now. You're eventually going to bury the whole army in the Red Sea. But you're acting on your desire, doing something impulsively. It's only going to cause delays, 40 years in the desert. And I think the desire for sex, we need to tell our young people, the desire for sex is good. That's God-given. It just needs to be God-governed. Because God knows that sex isn't just pleasurable, it's also powerful. And when you take what he told you not to touch, it can keep him from being able to give you what he wanted you to have all along. Boy, those are powerful insights from Levi. And I wasn't even aware of some of what he shared. Like, for example, I didn't realize that 30% of people using, like, the dating app Tinder are already married. That's shocking because they're they're married. You wouldn't think that they would even need this. Erin, why are married people on dating apps like Tinder? Yeah, it's shocking to me as well. But I've learned so much over the years working with people who found themselves in that situation. And there's these longings of their heart, specifically married women that are feeling ignored, not good enough, and really wanting to be cherished, turn towards this and and look at it, oh, I'm just hooking up, whatever. And it is devastating to them personally, to their integrity, to their character. How is that caring for themselves, but then also to their marriage, obviously. And so it's it's important to take a step back and look at that and to recognize this is a real problem within our culture today. And I like how you're saying that, that this is a, a deep longing that we've turned towards more unrighteous ways to fulfill that. Well, we're going to turn now to a conversation that Erin and I had with author Jamie Ivey about her struggles with pornography. She really describes part of the slippery slope that can happen when you view the sexualized content. How's pornography different for men versus women. I know like for guys, usually guys are drawn to the visual part of that, the graphic sexual images. Like what's the big draw for a woman? Yeah. You know, I was telling someone earlier today that I was in probably like third grade the first time I saw pornography. We were at a friend's house. My parents were visiting some friends and it was in their bathroom and I found it in a cabinet. I don't know why I was looking at the other cabinets, but I was. <laughs> so just yeah. be curious. Just be curious. Yeah. And so I found a magazine and it was my first 
experience, my first introduction. And I don't remember much, but I remember that it made me feel something. Mm-hmm. You know, men and women were both sexual beings. And so there is this min- misconception that only men can be, you know, sexualized and only men can be turned on by images. I think that's a false reality as well, is that that can have an effect on a woman mm-hmm. as well. And I remember. Then in college, um, I was in a dating relationship and we used to watch pornography together. And I remember the first time I felt as though this might be an issue was when he wasn't even home. And I found myself wanting to put that here. I'll date myself VCR, the tape, the VHS. Yeah. We talked about wanting that. To, yeah. Wanting to put that tape back in alone because of the feelings that it brought to me, because of the experience that I could have, or because the fantasy that I, I could step into another world. Yeah. Mm. And so I think there's a lot, there is, women can be sexually enticed by that as well. And there is the fantasy. And I even had to struggle in college of, if I like this so much, do I like women? Or, cause there's a lot of mm. images of women in pornography right. and it is just our brains have, and I'm not a, you're going to have to talk to smarter people in this, this, uh, series, hey, you're, but you're as smart as we got. <laughs> well, so I don't know, about that, I don't know how it. our brains work, but I do know that those images can also turn on a woman. Yeah. And I think that's also where women can feel like, is there something wrong with me? Because why am I turned on by all the images I'm seeing? Because they're not holy images. They're not like sacred. It's not a married couple having married sex. Um, and so it can be really, yeah. really like shameful. You don't know what to say about it. You don't know yeah. how to talk confusing. about it. Confusing, mm-hmm. sure. very confusing for yeah. a young girl in college. Why well, I so appreciate Jamie's vulnerability and, and the clear reminder that it's a slippery slope when we consume the sexual content. I appreciate that she admitted how it even impacted her identity because I believe deep in our hearts that, that we crave the real thing. You know, God gave us this amazing intimacy that we want to experience with others, especially in the context of marriage. But sexual content, whether it's small or, or something super graphic, it will never deliver on its promise to satisfy this desire. Aaron, I'll never forget reading a story. It's like from the 1950s about this Nobel Prize winning researcher who was studying butterflies. So mm. hang with me. Okay, this, yeah, this, this applies. Corn and butterflies. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, what he found is that there were certain color markings, color combinations on the female butterfly that made her super attractive to the male butterfly. So once they figured out what the patterns were, they replicated this using cardboard butterflies with this unique color combination. So once they figured out what the male butterflies were really, really attracted to, they used these cardboard cutouts to find that after a certain amount of time, the male butterflies would only pursue the fake female cutouts because of that unique color combination. I'm telling you, that's exactly what Satan is trying to do with us. He's the father of lies and he wants us to forsake real relationships and pursue the counterfeit. So Aaron, when you're counseling someone, how do you help them avoid kind of these little foxes, these, these imitations and to catch them before it becomes a slippery slope? 
Yeah, I've had so many conversations with single women, married women, young and old, that really it's looking at what is the trigger? What leads you when you're about to get online and, and seek out pornography? What's going on within your heart? And looking at what is, what's the trigger? What's the feeling that causes you to be most vulnerable? You know, are you feeling alone? Are you feeling rejected? Are you feeling minimized? And, you know, just recognizing that is when I'm most vulnerable. Therefore, as I recognize when I'm most vulnerable, what then is a healthy way? What's an alternative way of really coping with that feeling instead of going down the road of unrighteousness and, and viewing pornography or whatever you're doing to soothe that feeling in an unhealthy way, looking at it, what really can I turn towards that's righteous? That's not going to cost me my character or my integrity. Erin, I love what you're saying. Because for me, like last episode, we shared that this was something that we've had to deal with within our marriage, that I have struggled with pornography in the past. And for me, what really, really helped to overcome this was recognizing that when I was really tired, when I was exhausted from traveling, when I was feeling super stressed out, those were the kinds of triggers mm -hmm. that would lead me to be tempted so I know a big part of my own healing was just to begin to recognize when, when I was super tired, when I'm really, really exhausted, mm -hmm. that I'm tempted. And so if I see something, it's it was so easy for me to turn towards pornography versus learning a better way. And one of the things that really helped me is to actually to come to you and say, you know, right now I'm just worn out. I'm super stressed out at work or some, you know, finances. And I know that that can easily lead me towards temptation. And then you and I end up having a, a really good conversation mm -hmm. about distress and what, what are some other things that I can do? Well, and I see that just as such an opportunity for that conversation is now open between us and we're able to support each other in that. And of course, you don't have to go looking far to find sensual um, pictures no. and images online. We it's were just everywhere. talking, we were talking to our 18 year old son as we were preparing for this. And I asked him, so Garrison, what does this look like in your life? I know you and he have had in-depth conversations about this, but it was really, he's like, mom, those things pop up on just a, a very clean website. And so it's important to recognize you don't have to go looking far. So when that does happen, what do you do? It's important to know when you are vulnerable, because when that stuff does pop up, it's important to know, hey, this is a time maybe I shouldn't be online at all. And no matter if this is something you've run into recently or you've been looking at pornography for decades, we're here to help. You're not alone. Focus on the Family has Christian counselors on our staff who are trained to help people in areas like pornography, we offer free consultations to where they can hear your story and then refer you out to trained Christian counselors in your area. So if this is you, the number to call is 1-800-A-FAMILY, F-A-M-I-L-Y. Hey, be sure to visit our website at focusonthefamily.com slash NPM, which stands for No Porn Marriage. We have an incredible six-part video series called Discovering God's Freedom from Pornography. In it, Focus President Jim Daly talked with Nick and Michelle Stumbo about how they overcame pornography. Sign up for it free on our website. Next time on No Porn Marriage, we'll be discussing the negative effects pornography has on marriage. I'm Dr. Greg Smalley, and for my wife Erin and everyone here at Focus on the Family, thanks for listening. <music>